What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 46 of the Can't Stop the Hobby podcast. We're here with Adam Palmer from Heroes for Sale. How you doing, Adam? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem, man. Uh, just tell us a little about the hobby. We, we've seen your content. You got some great stuff out there for all hobbyists. Um, what, uh, what's your, what's your story? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so a ri- I guess it's, it's kind of the typical story that a lot of people have, like as a kid growing up, uh, grew up with like Pokemon cards, baseball cards, football cards, and the name heroes for sale actually is the name of the card store that originally was in my town that I would go to that was next to the Dairy Queen. So whenever I'd go to like Dairy Queen, we get to go to the card store afterwards and pick up some Pokemon cards. I remember uh, like buying singles from there to like complete the original like 152 of the Pokemon set and then like grabbing different packs of different things. So uh, the name the spelling of it is a little bit different, but the, the name Heroes for Sale is kind of an ode to the card store that actually unfortunately isn't there anymore. Um, but it's, it's, it's the card store from when I was a kid and then kind of, uh, going, going, getting a little bit older, going into high school, stuff like that. kind of, I don't know. It's, it's the typical story. Like you lose a little bit of the, uh, luster of interest in kind of getting to getting, getting cards and stuff like that. And then, uh, what ends up happening kind of is in high school, I started doing graphic design and I went to college for graphic design. And then after college, I sort of was in the creative field, like, and then I got kind of introduced to Instagram uh, in like 2016. And in 2016, I actually started uh, the original like page that kind of jumpstarted my social media journey. So had a bunch of names, but it's a Palmer media now. Um, So you can go back and find some of like the early graphic design stuff I was doing for um, just kind of myself and just kind of building an audience there. And then actually what ended up happening was there uh my laptop broke actually in like 2018 and that's when i was sort of getting into sports cards a little bit but you know the social media and graphic design and content creation was kind of something that i really i was really passionate about and i still was looking for a way to uh i was still looking for a way to do it so like i was pretty much i bought like a 150 dollar laptop from amazon and i was just like writing blogs (laughs) about um Cause I was also in grad school. So I literally needed yeah. a laptop to do the grad work. But yeah. uh, so I just started doing blogs in 2018 about sports cards and then put, started putting the blogs like on Instagram. And then I realized that I just liked doing Instagram content more. So then I focused on that and then kind of things just keep going and going from there. It's like, then the podcast kind of came into it and then Twitter and then, um, then TikTok and you know YouTube and Reddit and all these places that you can find kind of all the content that I'm doing right now. It's more focused on TikTok. It's a lot of the short form, uh, a lot of short form video on that platform. That's kind of what I've just been the most interested in at the time. But there is still stuff that I'm posting on Instagram, more more or less like just kind of updates of stuff that I'm seeing either on my feed or kind of important stuff that I'm seeing on eBay stuff like that. So I mean that's kind of um, from. Uh, from beginning to where we are now that's sort of my journey at least in sports cards awesome yeah and we can find you at uh heroes for sale on instagram h-e-r-o-s for sale um some great content out there where can we find you at is the same thing for tiktok yeah it's pretty much it's gonna be the same thing all over the place i think the, the spelling of it is is not how it's actually grammatically supposed to be spelled so like mm-hmm. I, I don't know i guess it's lucky that i got the name on all platforms so like basically any any social media platform youtube all those places you can find it's all going to be the same awesome now what my question to you is what what inspired you to collect so i just really like design like that's kind of the one big thing that brought me back into cards was like learning about the design of cards and uh, if you go back to some of the earliest posts actually on my Instagram, because be, even before I was doing blogging, I was actually just doing like miniature blogs on Instagram. And I was like going back and finding old card designs and like, cause this, basically this is, this was what I was doing. So I was, it would be like, I'd go to ESPN, the fantasy sports section of ESPN and figure out who had the best day. And then I would just go through like their whole repertoire of cards and I would find a design that I liked. And then I would kind of critique the stuff like the the nameplate the um texture of the design the 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 framing of the design like all that kind of stuff so like a lot of my earlier 
posts actually were, were coming from a design critique perspective. And that's, that's kind of cool. when, after that, I sort of got into the market a little bit and like listening to like people like Gary Vee and different other people who were talking about sports cards. And I was playing a lot of Madden Ultimate Team and uh, MLB The Show. And if anybody plays those games, you oh, know yeah. that there's a lot of like cards and coins involved. So like hearing Gary Vee talk about the market, I was like, there's got to be a way I can do this like in real life. So that's sort of where I transitioned from just playing Madden Ultimate Team and MLB The Show to sort of seeing that maybe there's a way to flip cards in real life. And, you know, it, it, it never got super intense in terms of flipping cards. Like I never made millions of dollars, like some of the people in the industry, but like uh, kind of learning and seeing and making mistakes is sort of where it kind of all was part of it, I guess, in a way, like from, uh, from that part of the perspective, at least. Nice. What, what's your favorite uh, card? Like what, what set is your favorite? So that's a good question. I think there's like a couple different ones that come to mind. At least I love the 86 tops traded set, like the Bo Jackson, I think is one oh, yeah. of, that's probably one of my, that's, it's maybe my favorite card. I think just from a, um, from a card perspective, I guess. And then, I mean, there's other smaller sets that I do really like, uh, for example, the, this is, it's, it's a, it's a random set. And it's actually a random story that I actually just put a video out on TikTok about was, uh, when I was in second grade, I went to Derek Lowe's no hitter for the Red Sox. And this was like before the Red Sox were any good. I think it was in like 2001 or 2002. So like tickets were pretty they cheap. So like, you, yeah, right. They were still cursed <laughs> at that time. Right. Exactly. So like, um, I, we went to the no hitter and it was really cool. Cause I was able to bring a lot of my like classmates cause tickets were like 10 bucks a piece at the time. So, and then later on, like a couple of years later, I met him and I had him sign the ticket stub. And then I also had him sign his rookie card, which is the 92 Bowman set. So I really like that card as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then, I mean, another one is the uh, randomly is the 2018, all the 2018 sets I really like just because that was when I was first getting into cards. So like the, you know, tops, I like that one. Prism, I really, I really like that one. Uh, Heritage High Number is another example of a set from 2018 that I really like. So, you know, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of ranges, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you, what's your, what do you PC? So, I mean, for me, it's a lot of soccer stuff is where I'm PCing like, uh, and, and it kind of ranges, like it's almost on a daily basis, my like thoughts and what I want to buy changes. Like uh, there was a Christian Pulisic card that came out uh, when they won the Champions League that was like uh, him holding the Champions League trophy. And I was like, that's an awesome card. I want to buy oh, yeah. a couple of those. Like um, I'm really into the the tops call-up debut cards. So like Wanda Franco this year, mm -hmm. he had a tops debut call-up card from a tops now set. So I really like that one. I also bought, I think Boba Shett, um, I think Joey Bart and then Joe Adele or some of the players from that specific genre of card that I bought. But then other than that, I mean, it's a lot of like soccer stuff and it, it really just kind of depends on what I'm seeing. Like it may just be one day I see something on eBay that I think looks cool and I'll buy it. Or, you know, if a random player kind of comes that I can think of that I remember from my childhood or something like that, and I see a card that I like, I'll buy it. So it, it really kind of ranges from that, uh, from that standpoint. Is there, is there a certain player that you, that you collect more of? Yeah, I mean, that one, there are definitely players that I have more cards of. Like, Weston McKinney is actually one. He's another USA soccer player. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not even really that I meant to buy, like, a bunch of his cards. But, like, at the time when I was buying a bunch of lots of his, like, I literally bought, like, a 30 lot. No, no, no. What was it? It was... It was either a 30 lot or a 40 lot. I forget which one it was, but I bought it for like $30. So it was like a dollar per card. So I just happened to have like, I think I bought two lots of his. So like I have like 60 of his tops Chrome Champions League cards from 2018. And it's not even, it's, it's just, it's because at the time, like I just was buying the lots that were coming up on eBay for the most part, you know? So it, it like I said, it really just ends up depending on sort of the time of the day, like what sport I'm into at the time. So it all, it really, really just kind of depends for the most part. Awesome. Now, as someone not collecting a lot of soccer cards, tell us why, why, tell us somebody that why they might want to get into collecting soccer cards. 
So, I mean, I think if you look at soccer in general, like you look at how large it's become over the past few years in the U.S., like you look at um, ESPN has picked up the rights for Bundesliga. So anyone who's not into soccer, essentially the way that European soccer works is that there's five big leagues, uh, the Italian League, the German League, the English Premier League, which I'm sure a lot of people have probably heard of, the French League, and the Spanish League, La Liga, with like Barcelona and Real Madrid. So uh, ESPN just has picked up the rights for uh, La Liga. I think it was La Liga Serie A, which is the Italian league, and then Bundesliga. So like they're going to be playing more games on TV. And then same with like the Champions League, how like CBS picked up the Champions League. So I mean, from my perspective, I just see soccer getting a lot bigger. And I, I've kind of always thought this like um, I just think the the sport is too big for people in my opinion not to get into the cards I guess if that makes sense like maybe I'm overestimating how many people want to get into cards but I just see the audience of people who like soccer just as like way too it's way too large for me not to at least look into it more and dabble into some of the cards like I mean one of the cards that I, I actually did make a decent amount of money on was uh the 2018 Mbappe PSA 10 uh prism cards so like i was buying i bought i think i think about four of them for 40 dollars a piece and then i bought i think eight raw and i sent all of them in and i got i did really well like got a lot of tens from those so like and that was when and i bought each of those raw for three dollars a piece and the grading was probably like 40 or 50 dollars so like i mean it was it's it's really crazy because like i didn't expect that to happen so quickly also the big thing for my perspective is that like the world cup is coming in 2026 and i think there's still qualifying going on now for the world cup in 2022 which i'm i mean i'm got my fingers crossed that the usa makes it if they don't that would be horrific for usa soccer and probably would set soccer cards back pretty bad and same with the team i think the team has a lot of young talent that um is i'm really hopeful that they'll at least make this world cup but then in 2026 a lot of these players will be in their the, their prime and the world cup is going to be in North America. So there's going to be a bunch of the like, Mexico, obviously North uh, uh, Canada and then in the United States. So, I mean, those are kind of the things that I'm looking at for soccer and why it's something that I have followed a lot more, maybe the most out of any of the sports since I kind of got back into cards. Nice. Uh, what are some, obviously some goats to go, go out and collect. And then also what are some uh, the prospects that you're looking at? Sure. Yeah. I mean, from a prospect perspective, it's very similar to baseball where you see like uh, a player will play for a smaller European league. Like they'll play, for example, um, someone that I, I really like that's a US, that's the USA is uh, Brendan Aronson. So he plays for Salzburg in Austria, which is the team that Erling Haaland played for before coming over to Dortmund. And anybody who's into soccer knows that Haaland has been basically like oh, yeah. the best player in the world, like over the past, um, like, like year or so. And so like, uh, Aronson's one guy that I'm really liking. I mean, a lot of the USA prospects is kind of what I'm looking into one set in particular that I think if, um, that I think is probably a little bit more expensive now than when it was, was the, there's a 2020 Bowman MLS set that came out that has like, I think there's four rookies in there that are all either going to play abroad or they are playing abroad. Like I, I think it has Aronson. It has uh, Ricardo uh, Pepe, who is like a ridiculous USA prospect right now. Oh, yeah. He's just been absolutely insane in the qualifying um, uh, uh, Daryl DK, it has, uh, Brendan, uh, Brian Rodriguez, who's a player in the MLS who's really good. And then I don't know if it has Caden Clark, but Caden Clark is another name of a player in the U S right now, who's going to be going over, excuse me, going to be going overseas next season to play actually in the Bundesliga, he's going to be playing for Leipzig. So he'll be playing with, uh, Tyler Adams. If he ends up staying with Leipzig. Nice. Nice. And goat like goats, you you go uh, obviously old school goats. You go Pele, uh, Ronaldinho. Um, oh, Ronaldinho. I think Ronaldinho may be the most underrated prospect of them all, um, just because I think there he had such a impact on the sport in but for such a short period of time. 
that like I think he's overlooked a little bit. I think Neymar is another name that's very overlooked in soccer cards in general. But you know, you, then you got obviously Ronaldo, Messi, um, and then probably like Neymar. I would say Neymar is easily number three, uh, just because he's another one of these names that like when he is good, he is top of the world in terms of talent. Like uh, R- Ronaldinho in a way, sort of. But like I think you know he, I think uh Neymar definitely likes to not play as hard as he should all the time but like when he does he's one of the best players like in the world um especially in the French so he plays with Neymar right now I mean you know no yeah Neymar Messi and Mbappe all play for PSG you know rumors is that Mbappe is going to go somewhere else but I don't know I mean those have been the rumors for three years now at this point so it's probably going to be once his contract is up he's going to sign so we'll see what that happens but yeah like the uh, the thing with soccer too, like if you're looking into cards, they're going to be more stickers for players who are older, like Pele. Um, I think a lot of his stuff are stickers. And then the first Ronaldo card is actually a sticker from 2002. And then 2003, there is a Panini mega cracks of him wearing his sporting uniform. Um, I think it's card 137. And then Messi's rookie, you could say is going to be a 2004 Panini mega cracks. He's, always played for Barcelona up until recently. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the card that you would be looking for if you're looking for Messi. And then Neymar is a little bit confusing because there's like a, a few, uh, there's like a 2011 card that's like a Japanese Panini card that's kind of interesting. And then there's a 2014 Prism card that's kind of important, but it's, it's, it's a little bit harder to find sometimes with some of these soccer players because there just wasn't as many products made throughout the history of soccer. So like, um, some of the stuff is a little bit harder. It can be harder to find. Nice, nice. Yeah, it seems like the, it seems like the soccer market starting to well, has been picking up for a long period of time now. I just something that I, I've never really dabbled into quite a bit. Um, I got some Halad stuff and I got a, uh, some old school Pele stuff, but nothing nothing too much. Now, do you dabble into uh, F one or any UFC? Unfortunately, not. I think. Those are definitely, I mean, obviously I've seen as being someone who's making content and someone following the market, you know, those are two of the biggest up and coming sports that I've seen. I think the move for UFC over from tops to Panini, I think is a big deal because it's going to, I think what that ends up doing is that it shows either it shows either potential companies that are looking to bring on us, bring on a new license, like, what can happen when uh, when a license changes hands and i mean obviously i mean it's not even really we can maybe get into it later with the all the fanatic stuff but like um because like wwe is another license that's switching from tops to panini as of like the other day like i think Uh they they announced it so like that's another big one and then i mean f1 like tops has really got to figure it out with with f1 i think that's sort of a sport that's like become very popular because of i think the netflix series for the most part is why it's become so popular um and you know i think this a couple weekends ago or this past weekend they had a bunch of like celebrities at the f1 race i don't know if it was i i don't really follow it. right yeah i don't yeah. follow it super closely but i i see the stuff on social media so like uh i mean i know that those sports in general are kind of up and coming and it, they're definitely ones to if you're looking for a sport to get into maybe it's one that you can be an expert in if because there isn't it's the same thing with um with soccer in a way where there aren't really that many products especially with f1 like uh so maybe it's a way that people can kind of get in and get almost in at the ground floor in a way and learn from the very almost the very beginning nice nice now you mentioned playing uh video games and whatnot now what is your take on uh nba top shot are you do you have any nba top shot have you invested in any of those cards so i don't have any nba top shot but the sports nfts in general just Mm -hmm. it literally just makes so much sense because our generation growing up playing video games like literally everything in the game was just an nft like if you if you played any mmorpgs if you played any madden ultimate team if you played i mean uh, any of the ultimate team games for ea like that all if like Fortnite is another example i mean call of duty like everything this era was built for this era video games for this era that we that we grew up playing were it just was nfts before nfts so like the 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 
technology and everything that kind of comes around NFTs to me makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not something that I've dabbled in myself in terms of buying any, like I, I have an open C account and like, I I'll do research on them and I'll favorite some. And, um, but I haven't really, I haven't bought any yet. It's something that I do probably want to do because I, I, I see it as sort of like the next social media in a way, yeah. like instead of, um, someone scrolling back on your social media account and seeing like what you did when you were 14, 15, 16 years old, they're going to be looking at like an NFT sort of wallet that says like you bought an NFT in 2021 or 2022 or something like that. And, and in 2030, that's going to matter because people are going to know that you're kind of if buying an NFT in, in 2021 and 2022 is like revolutionary. It, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, it's like owning the first iPhone in a way, like that's sort of where I kind of see NFTs in general and sort of top shot. I mean, it's, it's, it's confusing in the way that it's like, yeah, you can just watch the clip on YouTube. I understand that argument, but like owning the clip, um, the ownership of it, I guess is different. And that's sort of where um, I kind of stand on it. And I guess it's just, it's a digital card, but it's a, clip it's like a video clip so it's like mm -hmm. at first it was hard for me to understand but then kind of once i started to grasp the concept a little bit i definitely caught on to everything that, like with top shot and with kind of uh, the tops nfts and all that kind of stuff quickly after i sort of shifted how i was thinking of them in a way i guess now do you see uh east well, obviously esports is growing do you see cards coming out with esports um some of these guys on uh, those cards, like signed autographs of esports uh, players out there, and do you see? Do you think those are going to take off here soon? I I think that it's going to be hard for them to really take off, but I think there's going to be a very strong niche audience, and I almost wish that they that they had already started coming out with the cards because, like, for Call of Duty, for example, I don't, and I don't know how many people follow Call of Duty, but like Scump is the, is like the the goat of Call of Duty essentially, and he's going to be yeah. retiring in the next year or so. So it's like imagine if, I, and I'll I'll put it in kind of a sports analogy. Like imagine if if basketball cards never existed and then they started to exist, but LeBron was in his like last year or two. Like that's sort of where I'm at with like Scump and esports cards. Like I know they do CS:GO cards. I know that I think. Um, there is a company that does CSGO cards. Like they used to do just digital. And I think that they started coming out with physical ones. So like, I'm not sure how in depth maybe your audience knows uh, esports people, but like Simple, for example, like mm -hmm. I think he has a card in, this, in um, the CSGO uh, set that I've seen recently. So like, there's a bunch of esports people who, I guess the way that I thought of it was like, if somehow one of the companies could get licensing for like YouTube gaming or like Twitch gaming, then there'd be a way that they could get like a Ninja card or like a Courage JD card or like a Nick Marks or Tim the Tatman, all these kinds of people. But at the same time, I can't imagine that's very cheap uh, to get the licensing for those types of, for those types of people. Um, but yeah, I think that I would love to see it. And I think that they would be great. And I, th I, I hope that they come out with some sort of Call of Duty set before Scump retires, because um, I think that would be a great card. Um, and I think oh, there's a lot of people in the Call of Duty League that also would have like uh, a lot of demand uh, in terms of like card values and kind of what people want. Nice, nice. Uh, well, the, the Dallas card show is going on right now. And uh like obviously if you were able to go to the, the Dallas card show, what, what is your game plan when you go into card shows? Do you have a game plan? Uh, do you have a set amount of money that you take out and you go with? Uh, just tell us a little about what you do when you prepare for a, a card show. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I don't have too much experience with going to card shows. Like I've been to the national, I went this year and I went, um, in 2019 and then i went to both the the shows in boston um but based off of watching a lot of people's content of card shows i mean it's it's really i, I think the dollar boxes and a couple the five dollar boxes are really where a lot of the money can be made if you're willing to spend the time um i follow a lot of ryan card collector right. too that's the, he's yeah, a goat, so his, man. that's like his that's, that's like his like main thing and i mean he's like one of the biggest names in this industry so it's like how can you i 
anytime someone asks me a question like that, that's always my strategy. And that's what I would tell people because like, for me, it's just like, if, if that's what he's saying, like he, he's been in this for, for a decade. So like, he yeah. knows what he's talking about. So like, anytime you can kind of um, take tips from him, like that's where I kind of stand on going, going to car shows, stuff like that. And I mean, I think for the, the other thing that you could really do at car shows is network. I mean, that's what I did at the national for the most oh, yeah. part. Like I bought some stuff and same at the Boston show. Like I bought a couple things, but I wasn't really buying much. I was more focused on networking and making content, like, especially the national. I mean, I think I made in the two and a half days I was there, I, I think I made over like 20 videos of like different booths and all this type of stuff. So, I mean, for me, that's sort of where I'm focused is networking and content, all that kind of stuff at card shows. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Same, same here. I love to network with people. We just went out and uh, Castro is from Canada. And I'm from the U S so it was the first time that we actually got to meet. Um, and we, we went out and uh, got together. We got a hotel uh, with, with Ben Carlos, and oh, um, nice. yeah, who's cool. with the who's with the Toronto Raptors now? Yeah, yeah, Ben. I yeah. met Ben. I bet I met Ben at the National. He was so he was so. I don't. It's not not so that down he to earth, man. Not that yeah, not that I didn't expect him to be nice, but he was like so nice. And that was one of the other things about the National that I loved was like meeting everyone for the first time that I had been interacting with and kind of seeing everyone and meeting people that I didn't even know that knew me. Like some people, a couple people came up to me. They're like, "Hey, I watch your videos," and I'm like, "You watch my videos?" Like. Oh, actually, a really funny story was I met uh, Paul LaDuca. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody was with Paul LaDuca. And this was, it was crazy. I was just walking through one of the aisles and somebody stopped me. He was like, hey, watch your videos. And I was like, oh, that's really, uh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for watching. And he was like, yeah, this is my friend, Paul. And I was like, yeah, Paul LaDuca. I know who, I know who you yeah. are. Like, it was crazy. And like, I walked by like Rex Ryan, like when I was at the National and I saw Steve Aoki. And I mean, there were celebrities, but then it was also nice to meet like a bunch of the content people that I know that do content and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was, that was my main takeaway from the, from this last National and then kind of, it, it was just awesome. It was it was great to meet everybody kind of. It was at so the, overwhelming, at the wasn't Yeah, it? totally. Yeah, yeah. Even, even though it was, you know, even being there all day, it's like, it's, it's, it's draining, but it was yeah. just, it was so much fun. Too much stimulation, man. You're just right. all yeah, over yeah. the place. You can't concentrate. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but uh, now if you're, if you were to uh, get any card out there, what, what would you get if, if money wasn't an issue? So there's two guys that come to mind for me that I would love to get their cards. It's Halan. I would love to get the 2019 Superfractor, Topps Chrome Superfractor of Halan. Um, because I think that was sold by Golden back in August. I think it was like $120,000 or something along those lines. But like, mm -hmm. or, or even one of those early Tops Now cards that are super rare of his. Like I would love one of those. And then I'd love to get like a super rare Otani, like the one of one, obviously. That's like, that's like a holy grail for a lot of people. Um, but like the Otani one of one Tops, I mean, the, uh, the Bowman Chrome Superfractor is like a huge card and i mean even i th i think it would even be fun to look for some of his like japanese cards too i think that would be a lot of fun so like for the most part those are probably the two guys that like if money wasn't an ob it wasn't um an obstacle like those would be the two guys that i would probably go after right now okay what what do you have as your holy grail card right now that you consider your holy grail hmm that's a good question that, some people don't some people don't say it because i and i respect that <laughs> So, so just to, if you don't want to say it, that's totally fine. You know, I guess, I guess one of the cards that like I bought that is like a Holy Grail to me, cause it was just one of the cards I was super early on was a, I bought a silver Mbappe PSA, PSA 10, uh, 2018, uh, prism card, a silver for, I bought two of them for a hundred bucks, which is absolutely insane. So I, I, I sold one of them already. Unfortunately, I sold it back like last year, probably for which I mean, I say unfortunately, but like, it, you know, that's kind of that's objective to whoever bought it, who they're probably glad that I sold it. I sold it for like 20, one of them for 2500, which is like, a, like a 2500 sale on $100 is like ridiculous. And I still have the other one. And I'm planning on holding on to that until me and my wife buy a house. Um, so that's kind of my goal for that card specifically. I think the other one, I have a, I have a Polistic uh, PSA 10 2016 select card that I really like. And that 
I don't know if it's one that I will sell in the future or what the plans are for it, but like um, those are probably two of the main cards that I really have. And then actually I have two uh, tops Kobe cards that I bought that I really like that are probably two that I, I may or may not ever sell, but I'd say out of the cards that I own, those are probably off the top of my head, at least those are the ones that I can think of that would probably be my like holy grails of cards that I own. Nice. Now, every card has a story. We, we, we talked about this with uh when we had Jeremy Lee on the show, he says, every card has a story. Now, can you give us a story behind one of your cards? It doesn't, a card that means the most to you and, and there's always a story behind it. Can you give us that? Yeah, absolutely. So, and and it's actually, it's fun. These, I love the stories behind the cards. They're always a ton of fun. And I mean, this one is, it's sort of random and it's a player who's sort of a newer player in the league in baseball. So he's, he's a pitcher. His name is Josh Rogers. And I think he plays for the Washington Nationals, I believe. He used to be on the Yankees and the Orioles, but he's kind of moved around. I think he, yeah, I think he's on the Nationals because I think he was pitching against the Red Sox towards the end of the season. Uh, When I was in college, I had an internship with the television company in my town. And the television company happened to be across the street from the summer baseball league. So the Cape Cod Baseball League. Uh, So I'm originally from Cape Cod. I'm originally from Falmouth. So like the Commodores of the Cape League, that team that I always grew up, uh, grew up watching. And it was so it was cool to have the internship with with uh, Falmouth Community Television. That's the name of the the channel. I think it's like whatever channel it is in my house. (laughs) But um, so we were live streaming one of the games and my uh, position was on the dugout of the opposing sideline of the opposing the opposing dugout. So I'm on there with the camera. And Josh Rogers, he's the pitcher at the time for Orleans. He comes up to me, he goes, Hey dude, what are you doing? And I was just like thrown off. Cause I was just like, what? So like, I, I told him, I was like, Oh, I'm an intern for, um, I'm an intern for the television channel. We're filming the thing. And he was like, Oh, cool. And like, it really was like a small interaction, but like, it's even as like an 18, 19 year old, it was something that I'll always remember. And like, I'll always root for him. So like when I was opening up 2019 tops, like I pulled his rookie card and I was like, this is the guy, like, this is, he's the guy that came up to me at the, at the game. And was like, what are you doing? And I told them, and I, it's just like, really, you know, it's, it's random stuff like that are kind of the cards that I am like a huge fan of, like in my collection. Um, and I mean, other than that, I have a 2018 Otani, um, tops update card that I pulled from a pack, which was one of the first, uh, one of the first packs that I was opening when I was getting back in in 2018. So that's another card that I really like that I probably will keep on to for, for a while is the, is that card. Cause I pulled it from a pack when I was first getting back into sports cards. So those are probably two of them that I really, um, that I really like. Awesome, man. Now there, what's the best piece of advice for somebody starting out in the hobby? It probably would be to, I'd say make a budget. That's probably my, one of my top one of my top tips. Um, and then also just do, do way more research than you think you need to do. Um, those are probably the two, two tips that I think like I'm still, and from my perspective, I'm still learning, um, about cards even to this day. So like you can never, um, you can never stop learning and there's, there's just too much to learn about to really, um, not focus on trying to learn as much as you can, at least from my perspective. So like, those are probably the two and just learning and then getting into a budget and not overspending on, um, especially with like base cards. Cause there's so many of them, like you, you'll always have a chance to buy another one. That's another oh, kind yeah. of tip that I think is important for people to realize that are just getting back into it. So go back, go into uh, getting numbered cards and parallels and getting those graded rather than the, the base cards. That's what backed up PSA. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just with, with the base cards, like just know that there always will be another opportunity to buy one of those cards. Cause there's so many of them. So it's like, don't feel like, I mean, even if it's just like, there's only one list on eBay, don't feel like that's the only one you're ever going to have the opportunity to buy. <laughs> that's kind of, if, and, and actually the one other thing is just, just know that you're going to make mistakes too. Like looking back at your eBay history and being like, why did you buy this card? And what was the mistake you made? Like that's sort of um, another, I think a good tip that I, that I had when I was first getting back in that I didn't realize was going to be a thing. That's awesome. You mentioned mistakes. What's the biggest mistake you've, everybody makes mistakes, but what's the biggest mistake you've made in the hobby? Um, and then how would you learn from that? 
so when I was first getting back into soccer, uh, 2014 Prism Neymar, I thought was his rookie. I, I like, I was 100% convinced that was the rookie card. That was his rookie. So I bought like a ton of them and a ton of them back then were like, they were like a dollar per card. So I maybe bought like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them for 20 or 30 bucks. Um, doing more research, I've realized that's not the rookie card, um, that he has other cards that are older. Now that's still the 2014 prism is still a good card to buy. Um, it's still a decent, it's still one of the first prism soccer sets, which is important, but it was just realizing that that's not the, that's not the correct card. And I mean, another one that, um, that I could think of was I was buying like Bowman cards when I was first getting back into it. And I ended up not buying a couple players of their first Bowman's because I didn't know what the difference was. And um, it basically was just like seeing the same player that I had bought with a first Bowman logo. And then looking at the card I bought, be like, this is, it's not the same thing. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's just basically realizing that like, you know, don't, don't go all in on one player. Like I said, with the budget, like if you have a budget of a hundred dollars, like there's an easy, there's easy ways to spread that out a bunch uh, about uh, spread that out a, across a bunch of different players or spread that out a bunch of, a bunch of, excuse me, a bunch of different cards. So, I mean, those are kind of, um, you know, mistakes I think are stuff that I'm still making to this day. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just about doing research and learning as much as you can for the most part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's, uh, after the little interview part, let's, uh, talk some NBA. Um, now the NBA season has started, uh, before going into the season, was there any, any players that you were investing in and hoping for a big return on investment later on down the season? If so, who, who are they? So for me, when it comes to basketball players, like I think the best players you can really buy are going to be players who are maybe the third or fourth best player on their team that have the chance to be the best player. Um, I think that in the player that comes to mind is like Jalen Brown. Um, as a Boston guy, obviously I have high hopes for Jalen Brown, but I think like him and Tatum are really like number one and number two on that yeah, team. I'm a huge, um, but I huge think, Tatum fan. Yeah. But I think realistically on any given night, Jalen Brown has the chance to be better. has the chance to be the oh, best yeah. player on the court at any given, any given night. Like Tatum obviously is the best player and should be the best player for most, most of the time on that team. But I think like that's sort of where I look at it. Like um, players who, maybe also are not, um, I guess, kind of the other opportunity, at least that I'm looking at for basketball is like maybe players who are in that, you know, the, the 10 to six spot and then have the chance to kind of jump into the spotlight and be like a starting rotation guy or like a, you know, top two or three player on their team. Like, but from that standpoint, you really don't want to look at, um, you want to make sure you're not buying players that a lot of people know about, I guess, in a way, just because like, when you're doing that, the prices are already probably higher than they should be. Um, yeah. And the risk reward factor there, I think you want to look for players who are cheaper, who have that opportunity rather than like, you know, I don't want to throw any names on the bus, but like a ball bowl, for example, like, yeah. you know, he, everybody already knows about ball bowl. So it's like, he, he he's probably not the top fifth. He's probably not in the Taco top five fall. on that team. Taco fall, maybe another example. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I think it's just, um, it's a matter of making sure you're looking at the risk and opportunity, at least for, for if you're investing in any of these players. Now, do you, do you see uh, like a rookie rookie card, a rookie in this, in this uh, one of the prospects, what do you see? Who do you see the, the most growth with over time over a long period of time? Who would you invest in? So are you, so you mean from like 2020 and 2021, maybe? Yep. yep. The last two years. I think Anthony Edwards is really interesting just because he is sort of already become this like enigma on social media where it's like anything he does is going viral. Like every interview he does, it has like a funny clip coming from it. And he's also good. And he's also playing mm -hmm. on a team that just got bought by A-Rod, who I think is going to probably spend the money to try and market these players really well. Like A-Rod has maybe had the biggest 180 of any player in the history of sports between like from people just absolutely hating his guts to like being the most beloved, I like baseball player, like on TV right now. So like mm -hmm. 
I think he knows what he's doing when he, when it comes to like a marketing. And I think also Anthony Edwards is just pretty good. I just, the only thing that does make me nervous is how many of these cards there are. Like, that's one thing that like, like the population report, I think is going to be in 10 to 15 years is going to be shocking how many of these cards there really are. And that's kind of the one thing that I get a little bit nervous about looking at some of these newer rookies versus like even, you know, I think the last year from, from my perspective where you can really look at population report and not being as big a factor is like Tatum's year. Mm -hmm. Cause I think Luca's year, it, it, this is how I look at it, at least from, from a population standpoint. Um, I look at it and I say, okay, sure. So maybe X player from the 2018 draft is good, but there's, but you always have to have it in the back of your mind that there's going, there could be potentially 18,000 PSA tens, same with 2019 with Zion. It's like, sure. Maybe Jordan pool is good. And maybe he becomes like a top player from that draft, but you got to always also look at like, there potentially could be 20,000 PSA tens of his. And right now I don't know off the top of my head. I'd say there's probably, there's probably like two to 3000 maybe. So like the population potentially could 10 X over the course of the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where I get a little bit nervous looking at some of these newer players. So it's, it's definitely an opportunity where maybe it's a different set that becomes more popular because maybe Panini decided to overprint Prism a little bit. So like, and maybe they didn't print as many optic, for example, um, or, you know, they just came out with like a new set this year, Ray, Ray, Raycon, which was a, um, mm -hmm. or maybe it's mosaic or, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a multitude of different factors. I think that you need to be looking at if you're looking at investing in it, which investing in long-term prospects is, I don't think that's ever a good idea. Like you should be looking at like a six, to one year time frame, if you're investing in any prospects, if you're not looking for the long term, like Zion, for example, he, I wouldn't be buying Zion unless you plan to just hold on to his cards for his whole career. Like same with John, which because of the prices of those cards right now, but um, you know, a player like I don't know, uh, I can't off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but like that's Tyler kind of it. Yeah, Tahero, for example, like. Um, there's a chance that you may be able to flip those cards in six months if he has a good season. Um, and I think with Harrow too, the thing that's inter interesting is that at one point people were paying four or $500 for his PSA tens. And now they're kind of sitting around a hundred So I see opportunity in those types of players because people have already paid the money for that player's cards in the past, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Where like there maybe isn't as much a track record with some other players that could potentially be coming from that draft. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you like for football, like I'm, I'm going into football now. Uh, have you like, what's the best thing that you uh, have you made a bet, a good flip during the season already? And if so, what was it? So one that I wish I had made last year was Baker. Yeah. I think realistically, I, and I, and I know a ton of people were talking about Baker, but like I specifically made a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of posts being like, maybe buying Baker isn't as bad of an idea as it sounds. And yeah. I, and um, so he was one guy that I really looked at. Um, and I mean, last year it was just a lot of like flipping during the season. Like there wasn't any huge flips that I made. Cause I was, I did the, um, the star stock fantasy contest, like, um, they had a bunch of the bunch of influencer people in there. And I think I got, I got third place, which was pretty cool. I won a, a Chris McCaffrey, which was really pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and I think I just, you know, with football, I see people coming in and this is, um, this is a hypothetical and I don't know if this will ever happen, but this is sort of how I view football in my opinion is like quarterbacks are expensive and sure they're going to return the best and they're going to be the most popular, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just think that if people are coming into football, uh, there's a good, there's a chance that they could want to get in on like a defensive player or like a, a running back or a wide receiver just for the mere fact that it's cheaper. Like if somebody likes the chiefs, for example, and they don't have the money to spend on Patrick Mahomes, like what's stopping them from buying a Travis Kelsey or a Tyreek Hill or a, if Clyde Edwards Hilaire can kind of turn it around, <laughs> yeah. but like just, kind of yeah. from that standpoint like um that's how i've been looking at football over the past few years it hasn't happened yet that was my my big prediction last year was that it was going to happen last year and it didn't but that's sort of how i view football in general it's, it's crazy because I, I i we might think alike uh i i collect a lot of uh 
non-quarterbacks. So I go defensive Hall of Famers like mm. Reggie White, um, go Ray Lewis. Lawrence Champ Taylor. Bailey, Lawrence Taylor, Champ Bailey, um, some of those type of players. And then my favorite all-time player is Randy Moss. Mm. So I, I have a huge, huge collection of Randy Moss and some rare numbered cards, um, some stuff like that. I think that over time that these cards will pick up um, as these new and new uh, hobbyists come in, um, what's your take? You're pretty. You're pretty. Or what's your take on like vintage cards? I mean, I think vintage always, in general, vintage has the least amount of upside, but it also has the least amount of downside. So um, I kind of look at it from that perspective, where you know, if you're getting into like a like a Jerry Rice or like a Joe Montana or Steve Young, like, <clears throat> sure, they're, they might not 10x in a year, but, you know, maybe they four or five X in 10 years. I guess that's kind of how I view with vintage and just that kind of vintage stuff in general, because realistically right now, all it takes is one documentary, as we've seen over the past few years. It's like all it takes is the documentary about that player for their demand to increase and go up. So um that's sort of where, in my opinion, where vintage sort of uh, holds a place, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's go to some questions that our, that our um, guests, I mean, our, our panel had sent in late earlier this week. They said that uh, they listen to your content. They, they love your stuff. Now they want to know uh, what is the best soccer card you have? Best soccer card. So other than those other two that I mentioned earlier with the, the Plissick and the um, Bappe, I also have a bunch of um, the Topps, uh, Topps Living Set. I bought a bunch of Topps Living Set Sancho and a bunch of Mbappe and Holland when that card came out. So like, I think the Mbappe is from 2018 and then Sancho is actually from what would be considered his rookie year for cards 2018 as well. And there's only four, there's only four, around 400 of the Sancho. And then there's only about 200 of the Hala, or I mean, of the, um, the Mbappe. So, I mean, those are two other sets that I'm like a huge fan of uh, in terms of soccer cards that I own. Awesome. Uh, I'm a, I'm a school teacher um, by trade. So now that we have a lot of young listeners that, that are young, aspiring content creators. What is, what is some, some tips that you have for concrete, content creators out there um that you could give to them totally i would say uh, for me my biggest one has just been create the content that you're interested in um it can be very easy to want to create content that does well and i think once you get into a groove it can be easy to spot content that can do well but if you're not interested in it what's going to end up happening is that eventually down the road you'll stop making content about that specific thing and then people who followed you because you only covered that thing will then not be interested in your content so the quote that i've been trying to craft i guess is uh you want people to like you rather than the content that you're creating like you want people to be interested in what you're this is the this is the crafting of the take i guess i've been trying to make you want people to be interested in what you're saying but you don't want them to be interested in what you're saying. I guess if that, mm -hmm. you don't want them to only be interested in what you're saying. Like you want them to be interested in your perspective of the thing that you're talking about, I guess is, is how I would say it. Um, because I've definitely noticed like, you know, on TikTok specifically, like anytime you do like a Lamelo ball or a, a Luca or a Zion video, like those videos do pretty well, but they're, but I'm not interested in seeking out content about those players like if something comes up that i think is interesting i'll talk about it but i'm not um i don't have my list of ideas and being like all right this week i got to do one lamello video i got to do one zion video i got to do one luca video it's more just like what ends up coming um from a news perspective at least but then other than that it's kind of like tips and um but just make content that you are interested in that's kind of the one thing also if you're making content that you're interested in it's just going to take a lot longer to to kind of get to where I think your goals may be if you are either trying to do it full-time or trying to make money from it. Like um, it's just going to take a lot longer than you're expecting. Uh, and I think the, the saying is like the people, people always see the overnight successes, 
but they don't realize that that overnight success came from, you know, years of doing stuff or the overnight success is, is one in a million. Like it's not, it's a, it's a dime a dozen. Like you're not going to, um, always, that's, that's not always the case. Like that's not always how it happens. Great. Thank you. Um, now since there's another, another weird question that came through this week is, uh, since PSA is that is down, um, well, they just re they opened up um, their their more expensive line. Um, are there when you're grading cards, are you going to grade with any other company rather than PSA? And if so, who and why? So there's a couple companies that I think I'm I'm kind of interested in. Like SGC has definitely been one that's uh, gotten into the conversation in the PSA BGS conversation for top grading companies. Um, I think that one company, another company that I'm kind of interested in is actually CGC because Jay-Z's company um, was one of the investors in, um, I forget, the, it's because CGC is like the grading company for another larger company, a, a CSG maybe, I forget which the, the acronym is, but um, Jay-Z's company was one of the investors in the company that owns C, CGC. Now I'm getting all the acronyms messed up, but, yeah. um, but so like those ones are kind of interesting. And I think if they can rebrand their slab, I think it would be um, interesting also because they are like, they're one of the biggest comic grading companies and also like magazines. So like I see from that perspective, like that being really interesting, I like HGA um, just because from a graphic design perspective, like I love the way that their slabs are designed, but you know, they've also, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool, but I think they've had their struggles um, yeah. in terms of, you know, grading stuff that they shouldn't be, or like, you know, I think they had like some controversy where they use some unlicensed um, uh, art or something on one of the slabs. So like, I think if they can iron out these things over the next few years, like people will want, people will want more of a creative design on their slab. But I think they just need to figure it out a little bit more uh, from my perspective, at least. Rather than PS, PSA, PSA is the, the Nike of, of it all. Right. Um, but what do you consider the, let's say that the Under Armour or uh, the Adidas of the card grading world? I'd say that's probably SGC right now. Um, I think, like I said, I think another take that I've been sort of crafting a little bit is that I think uh, SGC has done more over the past few years to get into the conversation as top tier grading company than BGS has done to stay in that conversation. Like I think BGS will always have a stay in the hobby because it's Beckett and it's kind of got this allure to it. Um, but I think they haven't really shown that they are willing to innovate as much as maybe some other companies. So that's where I see there being a little bit of an issue when it comes to BGS. But I just think that there's so many historic cards that are in BGS slabs that it's never going to go away. But I think maybe potentially one day, like SGC, there's a chance that maybe it overtakes BGS. I, I think PSA will probably always be number one. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing how they, um, would be dethroned as number one, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like, like you said, using the analogy, I would say it's probably SGC right now. Um, and then other than that, it's probably like, those are probably the top three in the one tier. And then like the CGC, HGA, um, and I'm sure there's probably a couple other smaller ones that I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but like those are- G in, it, Are you a fan of GMA? <laughs> not particularly, I mean- <laughs> Like I think with great with grading, it's so tricky, you know, because like we obviously want all of our cards to come back with good grades, but like yeah. then when we have cards that we grade that get good grades, that then dilutes the market for that card. So it's like it's a very weird, um, it's a very weird paradox we're kind of all in when it comes to grading cards and stuff like that. Absolutely. Do you do you think that uh, Select Panini Select has hurt themselves? by going retail um if so why like Ugh, i just i'm it's so disappointing that they did that i honestly like select was select had probably the best chance to take prism to take over the top card over prism in my opinion um and i think going to retail 
and printing so much of it. It just, I didn't, I didn't really, that didn't sit well with me in my opinion. Like that, you know, it was kind of the same thing as like how everything is prism now for Panini. Um, like mm -hmm. there's Panini NFTs, there's um, Panini blockchain, there's, you know, there's Panini, every, everything is prism. Like that's what they're, they're just making everything prism. So it's like, at what point does, um, at what point does, do people not want to collect something because it's not rare, you know? Like, yeah, at what you point know, does it, prism lose its value? Right, exactly, totally. Well, that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. So like, it just feels like, I don't know, in my opinion, I think some of the moves Panini has been making over the past few years, moving select to retail, um, seems very um, money oriented and less collector oriented in my opinion, because uh, like, and I mean, another example is printing a second print run of Mosaic. Like Mosaic was like the biggest product that came out um, after everything shut down and they, they came out with the regular print run and then they came out with another round like a bunch of months later, which really hurt the value of that card pretty significantly, like the Zions and Jaws. So like, you know, it, I just, it, those moves don't, I don't like the moves in my opinion. Like I think Select could have taken over Prism, but now I think it's, it's almost impossible at this point, I think, realistically. I completely agree with you on that. Now we would, we'd be stupid if we didn't ask you, uh, what's, what's your take on um, Fanatics coming into the game? I think it's so early that it's almost impossible to really have a, and especially because, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some people who probably have inside info. There's people who, you know, know Michael Rubin. There's people who know Ken Golden. There's people who know the big wigs in the industry. I don't know any of the big wigs in the industry. Like, I mean, I've talked to Gary V, but he's not like um, running the card game the way that like mm -hmm. Nat Turner and Ken Golden and Michael Rubin and Josh Luber are. So I think it's, it's pretty early to tell. Uh, I think it's a little bit too early to tell what is actually going to happen. I'm optimistic because I think Josh Luber likes cards and I think he likes cards more than any of the top executives at any of these companies do. So that's why I'm optimistic. And obviously as a content creator, I have to be optimistic that the industry is going to be okay and that everything is going to go smoothly with the transition. And, and um, so I, I don't think we've really gotten, we've gotten some word from Michael Rubin and Luber about sort of what their plans are, but at the same time, it is, it can be a little bit, um, it's a little bit tough to know for sure what exactly is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, now what, what is something that you, you have that is the this is a question from one of our from one of the listeners is what is what one of the biggest cards that you have that is rare um what's what's something that you have that's that's super rare hmm. interesting hmm. rarity rarity i mean i can't imagine there's anybody else that has a derrick Lowe signed rookie card <laughs> in the same slab as a derrick yeah. row uh or derrick Lowe um, signed, uh, no hitter ticket. So I guess that's probably the most rare thing that I have. Um, another kind of funny story, like, so growing up my family, we were all into like collectibles and, you know, g going to golf program golf tournaments and, uh, meeting the athletes and stuff like that. And it's, I, there's a funny story. Um, one of my parents, uh, my, my, my mom met, uh, Adam Benatari, the old kicker for the Patriots, oh, yeah. but yeah. she didn't know that he was a football player so she thought everybody was like around him so she had him sign a baseball and like then later on somebody went up to her was like that's adam benetieri he's the kicker for the patriots and she like went back up to him and was like oh my god i'm so sorry like i didn't know that you were a football player like so i, I'm, I may be the only person in the world that has an adam Benet adam benetieri signed baseball uh so those are probably my two most rare uh pieces that i have awesome, awesome man Hey, we got we we brought in uh, Castro tune in with us, uh, Andrew Castro. Now, we Castro, do you have any questions for uh, Adam here? I, I want to say I do, but I wasn't able to read up any notes or do any research right by as I usually do before I walk into a show because uh, uh, I don't know if uh, Williams let you know what's going on, but uh, I'm literally sitting in my car here. Um, I got I hopped out. I'm here at the at the 
at, at the emergency right now. So it's kind of uh, one of those things that are just popping in. But um, no, Adam, uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for hopping on. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to, you know, introduce myself and just say hi and make sure I didn't just come off as just a random person that just doesn't say hi at, at all. Um, but you probably let the, let, let the viewers know a little bit about yourself already. Um, I don't know what I don't know what questions Williams asked you already or didn't ask you already. And if he asked you anything oh, that picked, I'm going to ask you, he picked his brain. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Give, give me like a give me give me like a like a like a brief rundown of just um, who you collect and why you collect them. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's it changes almost on a daily basis from my yeah. from my perspective. Like, it really just comes down to like almost like what sport am I watching? Like what sports on TV? Like if it's like, I'm watching a football game, I'll be looking into football cards or if I'm watching the world series, I'll be looking at baseball cards or if I'm watching a soccer game, I'm looking at soccer stuff. So uh, for the most part, it really changes kind of on a daily basis. And I think one of the things that, you know, for me, definitely another tip that I think is good for the audience is like, you don't have to change your budget on what you're buying just because you made some money flipping stuff. So like for me, like I had like a budget of like 50 to a hundred dollars per card. And then I, I was doing that and then I made like a hundred, $200, but I wasn't then looking at hundred, $200 cards. I was still looking in that 50 to a hundred dollar range. So like kind of zoning in on specific sections of the market that, uh, I think have a lot of opportunity and kind of finding the section that you even are interested in. Cause that's another thing like you, that I found as specifically is like, I'm much more willing to spend time doing research on stuff that I'm interested in than like doing it, like researching stuff that I'm not interested in. Like when Marvel was like popping off, like I, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't interested in it. So I didn't really do that much research. Like I did some basic research, kind of learning the sets and learning, seeing, seeing what was going on, but like, I wasn't, spending an hour or two every day like I did sometimes with other sports so like those are kind of uh for me it, it really it really just changes almost on a daily basis for the most part so your buying strategies would you say that it's a lot more of a um more of just like a like a speculative buy scenario than it is like a longer play yeah I think back probably when I was doing a lot more buying was like 2019 ish that was at that time I felt like even speculative, speculative plays, you could make good investments even on speculative stuff. Cause like stuff was so inexpe yeah. inexpensive and you know, right. inexpensive in the way that's like Lucas were like 70 or $80, for example, like right. there, I don't right. think there's ever going to be a time necessarily in the hobby again, where you're, you're going to be able to see such blue chip cards, blue chip, 100% guaranteed prospects, uh, be that price. Like you're kind of always speculating. And I mean, if I'm speculating, I would rather go super sleeper. Like I would rather go like prism cards that are like a dollar or two than like prism yeah. cards that like people know that are maybe, you know, 20 to $30 because like, right. um, and also it's just more fun for me that way. Like, that's why yeah. like, uh, if you look at like, um, fantasy football or fantasy baseball, like the, the most popular articles that everyone writes are the ones about the sleepers. Like that's all right. you, like the, like the, like the 12th round guys that have the huge upside that no one knows about, like then they pop off and you were the one that guessed right. So like, those right. are kind of the ones that um, from my perspective, that's where I look at when I'm looking at right. um, cheaper stuff, I guess. Right. Yeah. So if, it, if, if it's like, it's like the cards that you know, that might, that, that have the option to let's say 10x 10x versus you know three four five x right based off of uh based off a of pickup so like um it would it's, it's almost you know one of those things that where i don't know um i had this conversation with someone else today like in 09 people weren't buying curry cards you know what i mean right. in 09 people were buying blake griffin yeah, and exactly. you look at and you look at you know if everybody had bought one curry card like my buddy who who submitted one through us he goes to me and she's just like i didn't even have my like when i found my curry rookie card it wasn't even in a sleep or it was do you know what i mean like it was it was, it yeah, was part of right. the, totally the, the, junk, the, junk, the junk the junk part of the box right so right. um it's just crazy crazy to think it and crazy to crazy to see it um but like i just I, and and then the conversation kept going and you know everyone thought he was going to be a bust his ankles were busted like he 
he didn't really you know what i mean he just kept getting Under, injured undersi- and undersized done. like yeah, yeah i mean yeah i mean another, I think that, another grant that, hill yeah, right exactly I, I mean i think with that i just look at it and you look at um every draft you watch uh that you do player comparables and everybody is like the next, this guy He's the next, this guy. But then you look at what these players pan out to be and 80 to 90% of the time, they're nowhere even close to those players. Like even if they're just like role players for the most part, like right. um, even if they have high upside, like you look at like top draft picks, like a lot of people will be like, they're the next, you know, you, not that many people get this anymore. They're the next LeBron or they're the next, you know, Dwayne Wade, or they're the next Carmelo. Like, you're not seeing as many people like that anymore but like you if you watch drafts the analysts get it wrong so it's like how how can people really expect them do people expect that they're smarter than the analysts like that's sort of where i've looked at it and been like i'm not smarter i can't be smarter than any analyst like sure maybe the analyst is saying stuff just to say it to get clicks on an article or whatever but at the same time like you know when so like when i get the question like is this person a good investment or is this person a good investment like from my standpoint, I'm looking at more situations rather than players specifically. Um, and like players, in my opinion, like my opinion on a player is just as good as anybody else's opinion on a player. So like it's um, the investment is always uh, my piece of advice that I give to a lot of people is like, your guess is just as good as mine. So like, if you like the player, then you should buy their cards. Like that's sort of how I look at it. Right. Every, everybody, there's 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 a bajillion people there. People can exactly. look up content or hear wherever they want to hear. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to kind of make that decision for yourself. And, you know, and 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 that's how you learn. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we understand this game. And that's how a lot of people have built up their own personal strategies on how they analyze the market and how they make their, you know, make their buys and purchases. Right. So totally. Exactly. Yeah, it makes makes it makes makes a lot of sense. And, and at, the, at the other side, and you'll hear it on almost every podcast or every youtube video and just like guys it's not you know i'm not telling you guys to go run out and go buy all these guys up right and we're not guaranteeing you on on these players right we're just not a crystal ball we're not a crystal (laughs) ball right yeah exactly Uh, crazy crazy i don't know if you have anything else anything anything else you have jastro i'm well i'm 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 pretty good well adam thank you so much for for coming on the show really appreciate it blessed to have you um you guys can tell us where we can follow you at Absolutely. So, you know, basically any social media you can really think of, just search Heroes for Sale. And I'm sure there's some piece of content that I've created on the platform. You know, TikTok is the one that I'm big on, right? Or the one that I'm creating the most content on right now. So like, if I were to tell the audience to go check me out, it'd be on TikTok. Um, But Instagram also, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, um, Reddit. I've done some stuff on Reddit. I think I have my own subreddit. So like there's some articles I've written on there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's just heroes for sale, basically on any, um, social media platform you can think of for the most part. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in for episode 46 of the can't stop the hobby podcast. We appreciate our listeners. You can follow us on, uh, on our social media at can't stop cards, Inc. Um, on Instagram or follow us on can't stop cards on, on Facebook. And you can follow me at can't stop Williams on Instagram. Thank you guys. We can't stop and we won't stop.